Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Here we have Jesus stopping by the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He's stopped by there numerous times, and in this passage we have recorded for us one of those visits. So Luke chapter 10, if you found your place already, if you would stand with me in honor of reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 38 down through verse 42. In Luke 10, starting in verse 38, now it came to pass as they went that that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from her. So Jesus has arrived, and Martha, probably the older sister, is trying to make sure everything is perfect in the house, making sure the last minute tidying up, straightening up, because Jesus is here, and maybe out making the meal and doing doing all this work and uh, caring much about making sure everything is just perfect. And there sits Martha, her younger sister, just sitting there doing nothing according to Martha but she's listening as the Savior speaks Mary probably even misses those occasional looks from her sister you know that come on you know that look that she probably gives her because she's so intent on what Jesus is saying so that today what I want to examine is Mary concentrated on learning Mary concentrated on learning secondly Martha cumbered with serving. Martha was cumbered with serving, and then the master corrected with compassion. You see, nothing is as important as Jesus said, the one needful thing. Nothing is more important than learning Christ, knowing Christ, spending time with Christ. And so that is what we'll be examining here this morning. Father, again, thank you for your word. And I pray, again, that you'd remove distractions and help us to be able to focus on what you have for us. And Lord, that one needful thing that Jesus told Martha, may we desire that one needful thing. Bless now we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. But Mary concentrated on learning. So here Jesus comes to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And when he comes, he starts teaching And where do we find Mary? Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. You see, if we're going to be a student of the word, we need to be sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, not physically, because he's obviously in heaven, we're here, but we learn through through studying his word. I've had people tell me, I don't have time to study the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to do those things. Mark this down. You make time for what is important to you. I see that more and more the older I get. You make time for what is important to you. You accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And really, folks, the problem comes down to our time management And what is really valuable, what's going to take the most of my time? 
Now, there are times when things happen that are out of our control that we really uh, can't control the circumstances. For instance, if I get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning that somebody is being rushed to the hospital, really couldn't control that circumstances on your end or on mine, right? However, for the most part, if I'm going to have a message ready for Sunday, I need to invest time in preparing for that message, right? There needs to be a time set aside. Now, if something comes into that time, then I'm going to have to cut something else out because I would hope that being ready for Sunday is important, right? And so you adjust your schedule as well as things come up and make time for those things that are truly important, do you not? So when somebody says to me, I don't have time to study the Bible, then am I fair interpreting that saying the Bible doesn't matter to me as much as what I fill my time with? Would that be a fair interpretation of that statement? So Christian, how important is it for you and I to be sitting at the master's feet? How important it is for you and I to have that daily time? Let me tell you one of the dangers of those of us who have the privilege of preaching God's word and teaching God's word on a regular basis is to take our time studying to prepare for a message for you as the time that I should be taking for God teaching me. You understand those are two separate things? Now, sometimes, now many, all, almost every time as I'm preparing a message, yes, God is teaching me. That's not what I'm not, I'm not saying that's not valid. What I'm saying is I need to still have that personal time with God just as you do every day in his word for my benefit, for him to teach me to grow, right? Mary understood the importance of sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. You know, in Luke chapter 8, you don't have to turn there, but when the man of the Gadarenes was cleansed of the demons, he was sitting at Jesus' feet in his right mind, learning of Jesus. We need to invest in time learning from Christ. Maybe you don't have a regular Bible study. Maybe you've tried and you've struggled with it. Then ask for help. There are ways that we can, we can help you try to understand more of the Word of God. And you know, some set goals in trying to read the entire Bible through in a year, and I think that's a wonderful goal. But let me tell you something. It's also a very large task if you're not a very avid reader. And so don't get frustrated by it. By the way, just in case you care, on average, it takes me about two years to get through the entire Bible. But I'm okay with that because you know what? I'm still learning, and I still get through it, and then I start over again. So I don't have this goal because I'm not the most avid reader, okay? I, I, I do read, but I'm, I'm a very slow reader. I've been told, actually, I'm not, according to some, when they hear me reading publicly, but I believe I'm a very slow reader. The point being is be in the Word. Not just so you can say, I put that check in the box. Not just so you can say, I read that passage today, but so you can learn and the Holy Spirit can teach you. I've been studying the Word for years, and every time I come to the Word, I learn something new. As Pastor Ogle said when he was here, Dr. Childs, and many of you don't know who he is, but he was one of the professors there at Ambassador Baptist College, and Dr. Childs is, well, he, he met Noah when they came off the ark, okay? I mean, he's an old, old, old gentleman, and he's been walking with the Lord many years, but he still is learning from the Word. I also hear people say, well, I don't believe it's important to be at every church service. 
You know, I don't want you here at every church service for my benefit, although it is great to have people to preach to. Empty pews are kind of odd to preach to. But it's for your benefit. Because the preaching of the Word is necessary for all of us to hear. I told you last week, I loved it when Brother Ogle was here because I got to sit out there hearing the preaching of the Word. But Mary heard His Word. It has the idea of listen with intent. She kept listening. You know, one of the ways in which you can help yourself in listening to preaching is to take notes. Several years ago for Christmas, we gave everybody a journal. That was for you to be able to take notes during the preaching so that you can go back to it. But even if you never refer back to it, I promise you, the more senses you use, the more you're going to remember. You only remember, I forget what the exact numbers are, but it's a very small percentage of what you hear. But if you hear it and write it, you remember more. If you hear it, write it, and see it, the numbers even increase more. So if you take what you heard and you write it down and then you review it later in the day, that would be called meditating on it. You're going to remember much more than just hearing it alone. But we must listen to the Savior. When he convicts us of sin in our lives, we need to confess it. When he guides in our way, we need to follow. We need to learn to listen for that still small voice. I know many of you know the passage, but would you hold your place here in Luke and turn with me back to 1 Kings for just a moment. 1 Kings in the 19th chapter. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting to verse 11. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him saying, and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? A still small voice. You know, I know some who say, I study the Bible the last thing of the day. You know when I like to study the Word of God? First thing of the day. Not because I'm a morning person, but because it's when my mind is freshest. Get up, get in the Word, get a cup of coffee maybe if you need to, and get, get in the Word. Because I like getting up before my wife does. When the kids were home, I get up before my wife and kids. And then I could have truly quiet time with the Lord. Because let me tell you, and most of you probably understand this in your lives, if you get up and get, thing, get, get in the Word, you can have some time alone with God because come 7.30, 8 o'clock, life starts to happen, right? The phone starts ringing, everybody else is up, all the things, and then by the next thing you know, it's time to go to bed. And here's why I don't necessarily recommend doing your Bible study last thing of the day. Because if you're like me, at the end of the day, you have one thing on, my, on your mind, going to sleep because I'm tired, and I really don't have any room left in the brain for any more information, right? Now, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people who can, but the idea is having a quiet time with God so he can speak to you through that still, small voice. You say, what do you mean by that? You know, we live in a society that hates quiet. They always have to have noise. Everywhere you go, 
there's a radio playing. Even now, when you go to the Walmart parking lot, they got that noise blasting at you while you're coming into the parking lot. I remember when I worked over there at Walmart, we had the manager helping us unload a truck because it was Christmas time. And normally they get about one truck a day. At Christmas time, it can be two to three trucks a day coming in because all the Christmas stuff coming in. So we had several trucks to unload. And I remember this manager in the truck with me, we're throwing the stuff on the belt to, to send it out for the unloaders to sort it. And he goes, it's too quiet. Somebody turned on the radio. I'm like, I'm enjoying the silence. Oh no, turn on the radio. And I always hated it because, you know, they always turn on the world's noise, which folks I used to listen to and I'm really trying to avoid. And it's sometimes I just, anyhow, let's move on, right? Okay, so the world's noise, because nobody likes silence. How many of you are starting to get irritated? Some of you are getting agitated, I can tell, because it's like, all right, well, you're not saying anything. It's, it shows how little we like quiet. Let me tell you when God speaks to us. When we're quiet. Now, what do I mean by that? Not just silence per se, but our heart is quiet. How many times have you been reading the Word of God and then you get to the end of the page and you're like, you know, my mind was somewhere else. I was looking at words on page, but I wasn't even paying attention to what I was reading. Anybody else ever guilty of that? How many times have you prayed and then all of a sudden your mind's on a hundred other things and it's not even concentrated on your prayer? This is what I mean by quiet. Not only the silence, but quiet in my spirit that God can help me calm my spirit to where I can focus on paying attention. That's what Mary is doing. She's so focused on Jesus, she doesn't notice Martha running around. She doesn't see her sister giving her that big skunk eye, you know, what are you doing over there not helping me out? But she's so focused on Jesus Christ, and that's where you and I need to be. It's focused on Him. And let me tell you something. I'm 49 years old and still haven't figured out how to do that every time I come to the Word of God. So when I figured out, I'll give you the key to how it's done. But I don't know yet because I still struggle with it. I say that to try to be an encouragement to you so you don't give up because I know it happens to every one of us. So don't think somebody has a corner on knowing how to study the Word of God and does it perfectly every time because they're a liar. But let me tell you something that's worth the struggle to try to focus on the Word of God. And so you know what I do? When I read that page... And I realized I just looked at a bunch of words on a page. I stop and I pray and say, God, my heart is tr troubled. This is, this is where my mind is. I need you to help settle me, calm me so that I can focus. And then I go back and I read it again. And then it's amazing because, you know, he answers prayer. When I'm praying and I find my mind off in a million other directions, I stop and say, God, you know my weakness. You know my mind just drifted a hundred other places. I said, that's not important right now. What's important is talking to you. So help me focus on that. It's okay because God already knows. It's okay to be honest with him and tell him our struggles. Because the one needful thing is him. The one needful thing is him. And folks, it is so important that we put the time and effort into that one needful thing.
I got a great compliment on you all again two weeks ago when Pastor Ogle was here. He says, that's an easy crowd to preach to. That's a compliment on you all. I have been, have had the privilege of preaching in many different churches. When we're on deputation, I preach in some churches and they're just like you all, paying attention, taking notes, shaking your head, dozing off a couple of you, but that's okay. We, 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 we understand. But seriously, a crowd that's paying attention, understanding what's being said, giving nonverbal feedback is a beautiful crowd to preach to. Is it not, Brother Ed? I don't know if you've ever had to preach to a crowd that is hard, where they're all sitting there just glaring at you like, I dare you to try to bless me today. <laughs> or they are truly sleeping. Or they are truly just staring off into space. Or they're sitting there staring at their phone it used to, or their uh, watch it used to be, but now it's a phone or whatever. I've had it happen to where I'm like, you know, I feel like I could say the building's on fire and they're all just going to sit there and keep staring at me like, prove it. And let me tell you something about preaching to those crowds. It's hard. You know why? Because it's like, are they even getting this? Do they even care? Are they even listening? Could you imagine Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? She's just eating it up. Her eyes are big and she's like, wow. You know, that had to, that had to be a blessing to Jesus to be able to teach her. Because the way she's receiving the word. As he's speaking it, she's like, that's amazing. That's great. That's what I need. You know, and maybe not verbalizing it, but she's given those facial expressions that he knows. Of course, he's God. He already knows. But you know what I'm saying? He knows that she is eating this up. Don't ever lose that. I've been complimented many times in this congregation how easy you are to preach to. Don't ever lose the desire to hear the word of God. Be a Mary. Understand the importance of that one needful thing. Mary was concentrating on learning. Martha was cumbered with serving. It was Martha that received him into the house. Is that not what it says? In verse 38, a certain woman named Martha received her into her house. This is part of the reason why we think she's the older sister. Okay, along with other reasons. But Martha was distracted. She was cumbered. Probably not a word you use in everyday English today. But it has the idea distracted or drawn away. Do not be enticed with the things of this world. How easy is it to be enticed by the things of the world? As I mentioned earlier, in your prayer time, you know, you're sitting there, whether you're alone in your bedroom or alone in your living room or alone in a closet or wherever you are praying, and all of a sudden, something comes to mind and you're, you know, you're, you're distracted, aren't you? Or something goes wrong. The car breaks down. Now we're distracted because all oh, this bad thing happened in life. Wait a minute. If you were just spending time with Christ, is he still not in control? Now, don't get me wrong. What Martha is doing is a good thing. You should have a clean house. You should prepare meals. Eating's good, right? Once in a while. So she's preparing for the Lord. She's preparing because Jesus is coming. Is not serving a good thing. Should our service distract from spending time with him? No. Martin Luther, I believe it was, who said, I have so much to do today, I must spend the first three hours in prayer. 
We say just the opposite. I have so much to do today, I don't have time to pray. But you know what he realized? He realized, without the power of God in my life, without my time with God, any efforts I do are worthless. And you know what I have found, friend? I have found many times, those times when God wakes me up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm obedient, and I get out of bed, and I spend time praying, and whether it be praying for one of you folks, or whether it be praying about a situation, or whether it be just praying generally, and spending time in the Word, and then I go back to bed maybe 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, get up an hour or two later, I find I'm very refreshed, because I was obedient when God wanted to talk. But there have been times where I wake up in the middle of the night and I know God and I need to have some time alone. And I'm like, God, I'm tired. Let me just go back to sleep. I wake up the next morning exhausted. You ever notice that? Folks, let me tell you something. I can't explain to you the precious times and God's word and speaking to God. It's something you have to experience to know what I'm talking about. But there are times when it's just God and I. Hence the God and I time. And we're just communing one with the other. That's needful. Mary's focus was so focused on Jesus that nothing else mattered. But Martha has all these things going on, trying to get everything ready. Now, is it important for me then to also serve God as it is for all of us, right? As I said, I must spend time preparing messages. I must spend time counseling I must spend time, and not must, because, I mean, but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I, it's not a grudge or drudgery to do so, but these things must be accomplished. The service for God must happen, right? Going out witnessing must happen, but not at the expense of spending time with Him. So, what Mary, Martha, rather, was doing was good. So, Jesus isn't condemning her for serving. What He's saying is, Martha, you're cumbered about, you're distracted by all this. The meal's going to be fine. Look, if you just warm up some hot dogs, that's fine. We don't have to have a big steak dinner. Come over here and listen, because what I have to say is important. That's what he's trying to get Martha to understand, is that don't become so busy serving the Lord that you neglect the Lord that you're serving. And yes, that's possible. And let me tell you what that leads to. Burnout and frustration. Years ago, we were at a church where you were expected to be there, obviously Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But then Tuesday night was visitation, so was Saturday. Monday night, I think, was nursing home, and, and Thursday night was, uh, Friday night was Awana's, and Saturday you had to come and clean the church, and then, and then Sunday. And so every day of the week was something going on, and you were expected to be there all the time, and you were serving, 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 to where there was no time to spend with God, no time to spend with family. And I'll tell you what happened. I got burnt out and said, I can't do this anymore. Now the problem is, is sometimes we go to the opposite extreme and well, I got all these other things. I'm not going to serve. Look, there is a balance. Like everything in life, there is a balance. And you got to learn what your balance is. And sometimes you have to say, I can't be there. I have such and such to take care of. But other times, it's like, you know what? Those things need to be put aside. I need to take care of this. I need to be serving. Okay? And you must learn that balance. This is why here at Freedom Baptist Church, I try to be careful not to have something happening every night of the week because you must have family time. 
You need to have your personal time with God. You need to rest. You need those things. Now, maybe we could have more going on. I don't know if we struck the right balance or not, but I'm trying, you know, every day we try to find out what that balance is, right? She forgot the Lord's constant care. Look again. Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Isn't that interesting? Her problem's with Mary, but she doesn't go to Mary. She goes to Jesus and blames him. Jesus, you don't care that Mary's not helping me. I'm over here doing all these things, and nobody's helping me, and nobody cares. Jesus, why don't you care? When we take our eyes off of him, and sometimes even in serving him, we can start blaming him when it's never been his fault. Right? Is that not exactly what she did? Martha starts blaming Jesus. You don't care. And we start to think Jesus doesn't care. He cared much about Martha, did he not? But Martha thinks he doesn't care because he's not making Mary help me. You know, if we're not careful, we can start to think this too. I'm the only one who cares. Nobody else cares. Nobody else cares about the lost souls of Havelock. Nobody else is out there witnessing. I'm the only one doing it. You know what that is, folks? Pride. Nobody else cares about serving in the nursery. I'm the only one that does it. Nobody else cares about being an usher. I'm the only one that does it. Nobody else cares about whatever, fill in the blank, cleaning the church, being in the sound booth, whatever. I'm the only one that ever does it. Number one, no, you're not. And number two, yes, we do care. And yes, Jesus does care. But when we're not investing time with him, we'll soon forget his promise never to leave us nor forsake us. She felt alone in service. Is this not where Elijah was? God, I'm left alone serving you. I'm all alone. No, you're not, Elijah. God had to remind him. He said, I have a remnant of those that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Don't ever get the woe is me, I'm all alone syndrome. Because no, you're not. When we feel all alone in service of God, it's time to slow down and spend some time with Him. But then let's go to our last point this morning. So we've seen Mary concentrated on learning, Martha cumbered with serving, but then the Master corrected with compassion. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You know, He didn't chide her. He didn't say, Martha, get over yourself. Martha, what's wrong with you? Martha, come on, really? You think that? You think I don't care? Aren't you glad he's a gentle Savior? Now, there were times, yes, when he was very harsh. It was on the religious leaders who were leading people straight to hell that he was harsh with. When it came to sinners, he was very kind and gentle. When it came to his disciples... There were times when he would speak very boldly to him, but I, I believe he was still very gentle with his disciples for the most part in the way he handled them. And here Martha is. Martha's all frustrated. Jesus, you don't care. And Jesus looks at her. Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech be always a grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. 
Learn how to give a soft answer. You know, there are times when a soft answer is what's necessary. Now, there are times for rebuke. There are times for chiding. But usually what is required, and many times what's required, is a soft answer. A soft answer. And Jesus gives her a soft answer. Well, I'm going to tell them the truth, bless God, and I don't care how they take it. You should care how they take it. Because the truth is to be spoken in love. But here's what's interesting. He attacks the problem, not the person. And if we could learn this in relationships, our relationships would change. He attacks the problem, not the person. Martha, what is your problem? Martha, what is your major malfunction? Martha, what's wrong with you? Martha, are you really that ridiculous? Martha, you, you see all these things that we say to each other, right? That is attacking the person. Jesus Christ never attacks her person. He attacks the problem. He says, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now, the word careful there is used differently than we use it today because we think today carefully, you know, I'm being cautious in doing things, but it literally means full of care or anxious about everything. She's so focused on what she has to do that she's not focusing on Christ. So she's anxious, she's troubled, she's disturbed by this, and it obviously comes out in the way she goes, Jesus, you don't care that Mary's not helping me. You see, Martha, by the way, did not attack the problem. She attacked Jesus Christ and her sister. Jesus now says, the problem really is Mary, or Martha, excuse me, if I say the wrong sister, just know what I'm trying to say, okay? I'm having a hard time with names today. Martha, Noah, Noah, no, no, <laughs> Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. You're anxious and disturbed about all these things. You know, sometimes we have too many irons in the fire. You know part of the reason why I'm not running again for Havelock Commissioner? I promised you five years ago when I ran, if, it's, if I noticed it took a lot of time, or if one of you noticed it taking too much time to let me know, and I would resign. Well, it's taken a lot of time, not to the point that it's, uh, I, I think, hurt the ministry, but it has distracted my attention sometimes because of the requirements of it. Okay, so part of the reason is too many irons in the fire. I'm taking one iron out of fire, if you will, okay? But one thing is needful. One thing is needful. When I have proper fellowship and walk with the Lord, the circumstances of life will not get me down. When I have a proper fellowship and walk with the Lord, the circumstances of life will not get me down. Why? Because the most important thing is my time with God. So we need to learn to choose wisely. Mary had chosen or picked out that good part or useful portion. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part that good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, Mary learning at the feet of Jesus, she was going to learn eternal truths that she could take for the rest of her life. What Martha is doing is a good thing, preparing a meal. But you know what happens after the meal? Well, a few hours later, you're hungry again. You've got to prepare another meal. She's so focused on the temporal, not the eternal. And this is the crux of the whole thing. That one needful thing of not being with Christ is focusing on the eternal, not the temporal. Christian, take your eyes off the temporal. 
The things of this world don't matter. Now, I'm not saying you can't have fun in this life. I personally like to go fishing. I love it when Rich invites me to go fishing with them. But you know what? Truthfully, that's just temporal. Even the fish we catch, they're only temporal because we eat them. Some like to do other activities. And I'm not saying those activities are wrong. They become wrong when they're taken away from being with Christ. And by the way, and I'm going to say this very dogmatically because this is the lesson that this is teaching. Your kids' soccer games are not as important as being here in church. And I am sick and tired of Christians making excuses, well, this happened on Sunday, so I couldn't be at church. I understand some people have employment that makes them work on Sunday. And I wish that weren't even true, but it is. But other than that, I really can't think of a legitimate excuse for you not to be here, period. And yes, I say that very adamantly. Because when you say, I am not going to be faithful to the attendance of the local church, you're saying, my activities that I'm going to do, whatever that may be, is more important than me being in God's house, hearing God's word being preached. You're a Martha, not a Mary. Learn to value of that one thing. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Psalm 27, verse 4, if you'll turn with me there as we close. Learn the value of this one thing. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 27 and verse 4. The psalmist writes, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see, when Jesus said this one thing is necessary, it wasn't a new principle that God just came up with. It's something that's throughout his word. And we see again here in Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing have I desired, O Lord, I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. What is the psalmist saying? Make the eternal more important than the temporal. Focusing on God, hearing the word of God, speaking to God in prayer, hearing the preaching of the word, being in God's house is more important. It's the one needful thing. I appreciate the faithfulness we have here at Freedom Baptist Church. But folks, may I encourage you some I know have physical ailments or whatnot that may keep you out at times. And I'm not here to judge you. But I believe some sometimes have excuses. Now, if you're legitimately sick, we ask you to stay home. Okay? Something legitimately comes up, we understand. But may I say something? This body of believers should be meeting at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11.25 and 7 o'clock every Wednesday unless providentially hindered. And it's not because those times are something special. Those are the times that we as a body of believers have chosen to gather together to meet to hear the preaching of the Word. 
And so we should be faithful to all those services because every service is different. By the way, I get asked this. So do you preach the same thing at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock? No. That would make life easier. But no, we don't have a split church. We don't have service A and service B. We don't have the Hatfields and McCoys, okay? We are one body of believers here. And so we come to hear the preaching And believe it or not, we do hear more than one time. And then people are like, well, wait a minute. So you preach more than one message on a Sunday? And your people actually stay? And they actually want to hear you three hours in a row? I said, when you understand the importance of the preaching, you would understand. I said, but I don't expect, I don't expect a lost person to understand it. I really don't. But I do expect a Christian to understand it. Because Jesus said, this is that one needful thing. Martha, you're cumbered about. You're busy doing all these things. You're distracted from what is important. But Mary hath chosen that one thing. Christian, let's choose that one thing. How is your time with God? Let's bow for a word of prayer.